Welcome in to the Bonesville pregame podcast. Al Myatt joined by Kevin Monroe. And Kevin, of course, is an outstanding defensive back in his playing days at East Carolina. And Kevin contributes as an analyst for the Pirate Radio Network. And Kevin, there have been some changes in personnel, of course, with the passing of Jeff Charles, the outstanding play-by-play announcer for so many years. And talk a little bit about that, uh, if you would, we'll be working with yeah, uh, Al, it's, um, it's going to be a different year. You know, I, I got into this business, I want to say the fall of 2003 um, as a sideline guy. Uh, and, you know, it was from the encouragement of Jeff Charles to tell me that I could, that I could do it. You know, I didn't have a, a communications background, hadn't done radio before, had no experience uh, aside from doing a couple pregame shows. And, uh, and he thought that I'd be great at it and encouraged me to do it. And along the way, he kind of taught me everything I knew about the business. Um, and so uh, when I transitioned uh, after three years and became a color analyst, um, you know, 18 seasons ago, you know, I sat right next to him and, and he coached me up and, and, and taught me what to say and when and how to do it just to get myself. And uh, I owe everything that, I, that I've done in the radio business to him. And so to have him tragically pass as he did, it was just a, a shock, you know, to me specifically, but a shock to Pirate Nation. Uh, and, and it just won't be the same doing games on radio going forward. I don't, I don't care who you bring in. Uh, it won't be the same, but, but we have to move on. And, um, you know, we'll start this next chapter. And it looks like for the 2023-2024 season, it's going to be Jim Zoki. Uh, and uh, I've had an opportunity to speak with him a few different times. Uh, he's super nice, very well-liked. Uh, good at his job, consummate professional, uh, and he just, you know, he said from the beginning, I, I don't want to come in and make waves. I want the, the broadcast to go, you know, as smooth as, as it always has. But also, you know, you, Kevin, and you, Andrew Bays, you guys know the program. You know the program better than I do. You know the coaches, you know the players, you know the history. I want you guys to talk more. I want you to talk more about what's, what's, gonna, what's going on with the team, what's going on with the program, and I'll sit back and just – you know, kind of set the scene and 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 and, uh, and call the plays and and let you guys add more value. So he, you know, I thought that was cool that you know he he didn't make this about him. You know, he's just coming in to do a job, but he wants he wants us to kind of continue to push the message forward about the program and, and get that out there to the folks listening. And uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited to work with him. I think it'll be great. Um, and it's just a new, the next chapter. Very good, Kevin. Of course, uh, you're planning to do the home games this year and hang back from the road trips so you can watch your son play some high school football. And that will allow Andrew Bays to uh, contribute when the Pirates are playing away from Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, as they will be this Saturday. And we'll get to that in a moment. But wrapping up 2022, we did a podcast before the Birmingham Bowl. And East Carolina played outstanding, defeating Coastal Carolina 53-29 to in that matchup to conclude the 2022 season and Kevin you've been a part of bowl losses and bowl wins I believe so you know the value in terms of going into the offseason with some momentum from a victory oh there's there's no doubt uh you know it was I played in the well so I prepared uh the Pirates for the 95 Liberty Bowl I was a redshirt freshman so I didn't get a chance to play in the game but you know I did my job as a scout team defensive back to get you know, Larry Shannon and Mitchell Galloway and Jason Nichols and Troy Smith and those guys all ready for the game uh, to go out and get that victory uh, over Stanford. And then, um, 
oddly enough, that was the only game I got to play in or, or got to be a part of, the only bowl game I got to be a part of until my senior year. You know, even though we had, you know, three other winning seasons, um, I think eight and three in 96 with no bowl bid, which if, if you can believe that, that's kind of crazy. Uh, and six and five in 97, uh, or, or six and five in 97 and five and six in 98 or, or, or back or vice versa. Um, and you know, didn't get a bowl bid that six and five year. Um, and then obviously the nine and two year, my senior year, we got the, the mobile bowl with, uh, with TCU. So, um, it's, it's a, it's a blessing to get a bowl bid, even though it's a lot easier these days than it was back then. Um, and it just gives, it gives your program such a boost because you get an extra month of practice that whole month of December that you wouldn't be practicing if you weren't in a bowl game. It's, it's so helpful to the growth of the program. Uh, but also if you can finish with a win, finish with a winning season, uh, it, it, it feels good to the players that are returning. It feels good, feels good to the coaches. It also is, is a big boost to recruiting. You have that, you know, that national uh, audience that you that, that are going to be watching that bowl game. You usually want to uh, only probably just your game going on that at that, that time period down that day, which is unusual from normal college football Saturday where there's tons of games going on. So uh, you have the spotlight. And if you can go out there and, and show well, as the Pirates did, um, then it's, it's a boost to your program. So, yeah, a great job, great momentum builder uh, for the Pirates winning that game. And the Pirates concluded with an eight and five record and second straight bowl bid. It's the only bowl game that materialized because the military bowl of uh, Boston College bowed out a year before last due to COVID issues. But the game at hand, Kevin, of course, number two, Michigan in Ann Arbor, Saturday noon kickoff. And this game was contracted in 2019 with a $1.8 million payday for the Pirates. And at that time, Michigan was uh, a strong team, not a national powerhouse as they have developed into for the past several years. But East Carolina will go out with two straight winning seasons in front of a crowd probably in excess of 100,000, largest crowd ever to see the Pirates play football. And Talk a little bit, first of all, Kevin, you've got to be, to be able to perform in a tough atmosphere, first of all. There's no doubt. Uh, I'm trying to think of the probably the, the, the loudest uh, football stadium I ever played in, uh, mostly because it was indoors, was the Carrier Dome up at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to say it probably seats, you know, in the 60 to 70,000 range. Um, and it was, you know, Donovan McNabb, you know, at his at his height uh, in 1997, and that place was rocking. And they they beat us 56 to nothing, 57 to nothing, something like that. Or, and it was um, it was humbling, uh, but it just you couldn't hear yourself think. It was my first college football start, and it it, it makes a difference. It really does make a difference. And I think in 95, the Pirates got an opportunity to go to Auburn and to Tennessee. Uh, and I, I wasn't traveling then, but just talking to the guys on the team, just that, that SEC environment, um, you know, the big stadium, the large crowd, uh, it's just, it, it, it's almost stifling. And, and the biggest one that I personally played in, uh, in terms of numbers, would be South Carolina in 99. I believe uh, that stadium there, South Carolina, seats close to 90,000 in the upper 80s at least. And it was Lou Holtz's first home game as the, as the brand-new coach, if you'll remember. So it was it was sold-out crowd, and we were able to win that game after 
uh, Hurricane Floyd and, 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 and all that, that stuff. So um, playing in, an, in, in, a, in, a, in a large stadium with a lot of noise, it's just hard to prepare for. And I can remember Coach Logan in each of those instances bringing in speakers, like big, huge, industrial, uh, commercial speakers and just blasting music during practice. And we would have to completely work off of just signals, hand signals and, you know, motions from the sidelines in order to get lined up correctly, get the plays in, get the defensive calls in. And that's how we prepared in that way. When we got into the game, we didn't have to necessarily use our voices to get lined up. Uh, but still, it, it's still just a, a, a crazy, crazy atmosphere. And it's hard to prepare for. So uh, I'm assuming that they'll be using some of those same tricks of the trade or have used some of the same tricks of the trade this past week. Uh, and preparing to, to go into Michigan. Yes, sir. And then we're not absolutely certain who's going to come out at quarterback for the Pirates. Uh, Mason Garcia is the projected starter. Alex Flynn has been giving him good competition uh, in preseason camp and the, and the run-up to the Michigan game. Uh, but this will be a tough environment for Mason Garcia to play his first game as the uh, starter. Perhaps, uh, well, he did start against Navy when Holton Naylor's had uh, some COVID issues. And uh, hopefully, you know, the time uh, spent grooming Mason Garcia will show. Uh, Roger Harris, fortunately, is going to be back at running back. Uh, Coach Houston said that he could play three to five running backs, possibly, uh, against Michigan. So there's a lot of talent in the running back room. Uh, wide receivers, you got... I think Josiah Hatfield uh, among the leaders in that group. So Mason Garcia has some tools. There are questions about the offensive line because there are some veteran players, but a lot of those are transfers. And so they've got to uh, mesh uh, during the season and hopefully very quickly uh, to be ready for Michigan today. Yeah, you know, I think um, th this is just my personal opinion, obviously, but I, I think, you know, Mason Garcia – deserves the opportunity to 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 start uh, and it's his job to lose and, and I say that because he came in so highly touted you know three star four star depending on what publication you looked at uh, and he's patiently waited he patiently waited three seasons behind Holton Aylers um, and that's just not something you see in this day and age you know the day and age of being a, a highly touted recruit if you don't play right away you're, you're heading to the transfer portal and that's, that's not what, what Mason did. He hung around. He realized he had some learning to do. He still has some learning to do. Um, and he's, he's aware of that. Um, but at this point, you know, it, it should be his job, in, in my opinion. And so if he, if he goes out there and, and, and doesn't play well, it is Michigan, you know, and the expectation is they're going to have a really good defense. Uh, they're going to have a loud crowd, and he's going to make some mistakes. Uh, he's going to make some good plays, but he's probably going to make you know several bad ones. I think he's still start him again against Marshall, you know, and and that's that's a much different uh, ball game. You know, you're you're at home, you got your crowd, you got a, a team you should you should compete with. Again, you can win, um, and you see what he does there. And, and if you get through two ball games, and you you've seen you know bad to worse or or, or two bad games, and you, and you don't you don't see you know, the improvement that you wanted to see, then you look to the, to the, uh, to Flynn to see if he can, can, can do something differently. But I, I think, you know, not naming him the starter early on has probably not helped his confidence. Um, I think, you know, you, you want a confident quarterback coming in 
to start game one, especially in Michigan. Um, so we'll see. That, that's just that's all part of what, what coaches do, and maybe it's their, it's their way to motivate him, and they know that they, you know, they know how to push their players and, and what buttons to push. And so I'm assuming that this quarterback competition is making both guys better and, and in a sense, will make the program better. So, so we'll see how that shakes out uh, here in, in, at game time. But you're right, the running back uh, backfield, you know, you've got Roger Harris, you got Marlon Gunn. Those are the, are the two big dogs. Uh, but you've got, you got some several others. you got some transfers, you got some freshmen that may get some time. But we've heard that over the years that, you know, we've got a big running back room. We may play four or five and then you get in the game and you only play two. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I really expect uh, Raji to, to, to bounce back from the knee injury and, and play well. Uh, but who knows how much he can take on that knee, um, you know, just happening a year ago. Uh, so he will need, you know, probably some subs, some, some guys coming in and, and, and then spell him a little bit. Wide receiver, you talked about Hatfield. You know, Kerry King is a guy that's been in, in the program that's a fast guy that runs around and plays. Jalen Johnson, obviously, was a transfer a couple of years ago, uh, has proven himself. Uh, to be a, a great ball catcher, you know, Calhoun at, at tight end. So there's definitely some targets for, uh, for Mason Garcia or Flynn, whoever that quarterback is, uh, to find. But as you hit on it, it's the offensive line. I mean, you know, only, only Isaiah Foote comes back from last year as a starter. Uh, the rest of those guys were either in the program and didn't play much or they're transfers. Um, and with any, with any program to get transfers in, it can be a blessing or it can be a curse. It can be guys that come in buy in, learn the system and play great. Or it could be guys that come in, you know, all about themselves, just wanting to get some snaps uh, so they can move on to the next thing and, and they never buy into the program and they, and they never, you know, truly uh, fit the mold of what you're trying to do and, and, it, and it ends up being a disaster. And so we've seen it on both ends. Um, I've heard good things about these transfers. Um, they, they've got good size. They look like American Athletic Conference players. Uh, and so I'm excited to see what the offensive line can do because not only do you have Harrison Gunn and a host of running backs back there, but you've also got this big, strong quarterback that can throw the ball well, but he can run himself uh, and, and, and Mason Garcia. And so um, I expect that the offensive line will have a lot of different things they have, they have to accomplish in terms of run, run blocking and pass blocking, but they've got some weapons behind them and around them to make this offense look really good if they do their jobs. Well, that's right, Kevin. And of course, flip it over to the defense. The defensive front is deep, athletic, experienced, a lot of attributes. And that will be kind of the one of the strengths of the team. I think the depth at running back and the uh, the quality of, of players on the defensive front are going to be strengths that the Pirates can play to. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. You know, guys... Some of the returning guys like Elijah Morris um, will kind of set the stage for what this defensive line can be. Um, and Chad Stevens, another guy returning. Um, but there's a lot of guys behind them that have either gotten some reps or new transfers coming in uh, that they're expecting big things from. Deontay Johnson is also another one um, that was around last year. Uh, but these guys are, are tough or strong or big, uh, have made plays. Jeremy Lewis, you know, you know his kind of hybrid position is a – as a linebacker, DN kind of rushing guy, um, you know, he's going to be you know one of the best in the conference this season at doing what he does. Um, you know, as a as a former tight end, he's got good feet and good speed uh, to get back to the rush the passer. It starts up front with those guys at linebacker. You know, you you lose the, the two big dogs uh, from a year ago, uh, Barry and, and Xavier. 
Uh, and so you've got to replace them. So you, you've got some players that we've been hearing a lot about, uh, and, uh, Rara Dilworth and BJ Davis, um, you know, both transfer guys, um, but also some guys behind them that are, are quality players, speed and size have kind of been the things that I keep hearing echoing out of that locker room at linebacker. Uh, so you feel pretty good there. And then at safety, you know, guys like Julius Wood and Tegan Wilk, uh, guys that have been in the program for a couple of years that you're expecting big things from. It's the corner position that I'm a little bit concerned about. You know, no starter returning from last year at corner. So you've got some guys that you brought in that are transfers um, or guys that were in the program that are redshirted uh, but didn't play much last year. I hear good things about their size and their speed as I keep echoing from other positions. I just don't know what to expect from them when the lights come on. And so uh, I would say if I'm looking at the, the team as a whole on defense, I'm most concerned about the back end and, you know, specifically the corner positions and how they hold up. And then offensively, as you alluded to, uh, Al, the offensive line, it, it starts with them. If they can get it going, I think this offense can be very productive this season. All right. Got a new offensive line coach, Alan Mugridge, and Steve Shankweiler has other responsibilities within the program. And the special teams, Kevin, kicking last year, place kicking was just kind of a sore spot. And the Pirates made some adjustments. They've had some competition for place kicking uh, in preseason camp and, and before uh, the contest at Michigan. Punning, uh, transfer come in from Mississippi State. And he has uh, pushed uh, Luke Larson at, as, as a punter. And so we'll see as uh, the game unfolds on Saturday how those aspects of play uh, play out. Yeah, you know, they don't release a depth chart, but I'm hearing uh, that, you know, the transfer of Mississippi State, uh, Archer, is going to probably be the starter, and, that, and that's surprising for those that saw Luke Larson punt, you know, quite a bit last year um, for the Pirates. But, you know, you get a transfer from, from the Southeastern Conference that, you know, uh, has played well and shown that he can play in big-time games. you got to give him an opportunity to compete for the job. And then, as you mentioned, Andrew Conrad, uh, potentially at, at place kicker. We, you know, you come back from a year um, with, a, with a brand new place kicker. Obviously, all that we went through last year, um, you know, with the kicking, with the kicking game uh, and, and having to bench a kicker and bringing a new kicker, um, you, you hope that this year we start off with some consistency at the kicking position and it continues with the same person that throughout the year and they do well. Uh, but you just, you just never know. And, and you, you never know what, what kickers – it's, it's a very mental game, the kicking position. So – uh, we'll have to see how it pans out, but yeah, but both both punter and and kicker will be um, it'll be a new a new option for the Pirates this year, a new obstacle to get over. But to, hopefully, it won't be something that we focus on as we have in the past year or two. Well, hopefully, we won't see too much punting, but uh, and or really too much place kicking either. the 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 best option is to score touchdowns and let that kicker uh, handle the extra points. But uh, that's an ideal world. Kevin, let's talk a little bit, if we could, about uh, the Michigan coaching situation. Jim Harbaugh, kind of the face of the program, he will not be coaching this game. He's uh, Michigan has imposed a three-game suspension on him for some allegations from the NCAA, and uh, they are going to have an interim coach. I believe it's uh, Jesse Mentor, the defensive coordinator. He is going to be the acting head coach for the East Carolina game. And then their uh, offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore, he will also be 
sitting aside. Coach Mike Houston didn't place a lot of emphasis on the fact that the coaches will miss the game because they will be able to handle things in terms of preparation. He said it'd be nice if some of the star athletes for the Wolverines had to sit out, but that's not the case. But what kind of impact, if any, do you think this will have? Uh, very little, very little. As, as Coach Houston alluded to, it, it, the coaches do their job during the week, specifically the position coaches that do their job during the week. And then the head coach, you know, he has to make some tactical, tactical decisions throughout the game, but that can be handled by, you know, by one of the coordinators or one of the assistant head coaches um, as to when to call timeouts, when to go forward on fourth down, how to run the two-minute drill, uh, you know, things like that. Um, I, don't, I don't put too much stock in it. I think uh, they'll be just fine. I, I'm with Coach Houston in that if some players had been sitting out, that, that changes things. You know, that, you know, they've got you know, one of the best running backs in the country uh, coming back. You know, some, some players in their defense – you know, are going to be all Americans. So they, they, they're stout both offensively and defensively. Their lines are really, really good. Defensive line gets a lot of pressure. You know, this is a team that, that won a ton of ball games last year, didn't lose until their bowl game. And so they're returning a lot of really good players. And they're, they're number two in the country. You, you hear number two, and you don't really put that into perspective until you realize they're ranked ahead of teams like Alabama and Ohio State. And then you start to think, oh, my God, you know, this is a really, really good football team. So I don't expect this to be a – a Michigan versus Appalachian State scenario. Not to say that the Pirates can't win. They just, the Pirates won't sneak up on Michigan the way Appalachian State did many years ago. Well, Kevin, you mentioned Lou Holtz earlier, and he actually has Michigan ranked number one in uh, mm -hmm. his preseason poll. And so as we get ready for play in Ann Arbor on Saturday, uh, there's a slight change in college football rules and this one may give East Carolina a slight advantage. Clock will not stop on first downs until the last two minutes of each half. And so uh, shorter game, maybe six to eight plays shorter. And the fewer plays favors probably the underdog in that situation. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, the, the, you want to keep that clock running. You want the, the opportunity to, you know, get off the field on defense or if the other team scores, you get your opportunity on offense. But I think the game moves much faster uh, in this new system. And, and, I, and I think parents can find a way to run the football. They can run a clock and, and keep that powerful uh, Michigan offense off, off the field. That's what they want to do. Um, but, yeah, some of these new rules I think are good for fans because you're not in the stands as long on a, on a college football Saturday, specifically in these, in these early months when it's very, very hot. Uh, so I like these rule changes. And I do think it, it favors the underdog because, you know, you, you probably won't see teams scoring 60 and 70 points as often because just, just not as many times, not as many opportunities on offense uh, to score all those points. Very good. And, Kevin, let's talk about that Bonesville tradition, Kevin's keys to the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Michigan has a running back named Blake Corum who's, you know, highly, highly uh, rated by the NFL scouts. He's probably going to be one of the first backs off the board when he comes out. Uh, and, you know, had a really good year last year, well over a thousand yards. Uh, so the, it starts with stopping him. You know, the defensive line has got to play well. The linebackers have got to run to the football and even the DBs have to help. Um, if I'm Michigan, I'm running it. I'm running it. I'm running it until the Pirates stop him. You know, there's no need to put it in the air. There's no need to do any tricks. You're, you're big, strong Michigan, the number two in the country with a good running back and a good offensive line. You want to run it down our throats. And so I think the Pirates have to stop the, stop the run. They have to minimize the first downs that Michigan gets, and they have to get off the field on third down. So that's, that's first and foremost. 
uh, going on offensive side of the ball. I think it's, it starts with the offensive line for East Carolina. I mean, this is a, a Michigan team. As I keep saying, they're stout up front at, at the defensive line position. They've got some talented, fast running uh, linebackers. And so the Pirates have to be able to establish the run, uh, and, that, and that's going to be with the offensive line, being able to open up some holes for them. They're going to have to give the quarterback some time, whether that's Mason Garcia or Flynn. I assume it's Mark Mason Garcia, especially because Garcia adds that additional um, hint of speed and, and strength running the football on his own, uh, running the kind of the, the run-pass option uh, that, that the, the Pirates like to use. So offensively, the Pirates have got to be able to establish the run. They've got to be able to pick up first downs. And then with any uh, first game of the season, with any early season game, it's about turnovers, right? The team that turns the ball over the least usually wins. If they can find a way to turn Michigan over and, you know, get some interceptions, get some fumbles, that's going to bode well for them. And when they have the football, they have to take care of it because if you give Michigan any extra possessions, they're going to score points. Very good, Kevin. Of course, uh, got Marshall next week. And I think one thing the coaches are focusing on is, Regardless of the outcome at Michigan, uh, you got to come off of that cloud of playing in front of 100,000 plus and get ready to play the following week. It's no doubt. I mean, luckily they'll be, you know, playing in Dowdy Ficklin, and that's that's a that's a, a scenario that every Pirate player wants to play in front of the home crowd, and and uh, it'll be exciting that Marshall game. Uh, but it's going to be a little bit different than going in into Michigan and playing this game. So they've got to put this one behind them, win or lose. You know, 24 hours, put it behind you, and move on to the next one. Very good. Kevin, uh, enjoyed, of course, talking with you on the Bonesville pregame podcast, as always, and 2023 season is getting underway shortly, and look forward to visiting with you next week. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Al.